Blog Talk Radio. Along with Jeff. Hello. Hello. Jeff was just added because he decided to delete his Skype account before we could get started. So. Yeah, like five minutes before. Yeah, he's he's uh he's really on the ball with this shit. Um. Um. And what was I going to say? Oh, I don't know. Oh, you know what, Jeff? I'm going to start with with uh, something I texted my I, I and my wife earlier today. Oh. Um. And that was. OMG, 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 OMG. Now, would you like to ask me what that's all about? Not really. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite wrestler of all time is going to be the second man ever to be inducted twice into the WWE Hall of Fame. Really? Yeah, because the Hart Foundation is the first inductees for the, announced for the Hall of Fame this year. Really? Yeah. So Bret Hart's already in the Hall of Fame once, and now he will be joining... Um, Rick Flair. Yep. Now he's and, joining tri- and Triple H. How was Triple H in there twice? Is it wasn't he in there with uh, DX and with Legacy? No, they haven't been inducted together as a group shot. Oh well, he was in there with no, he was in there with DX and somebody else. DX was not inducted as a group yet. Haven't they been? No. Nor should they ever be. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I could have swore he was inducted. Twice too. I know Flair, but I thought Triple H was too. No, Flair wasn't. And I, you know what? And and I, I guess it's incorrect for me to say he's going to be the second person ever, but he'll be the second wrestler ever because Jimmy Hart's been inducted at the same time, and I'm pretty sure he's already been inducted at the Hall of Fame. But yeah, it'll be it'll be Brett, Jimmy, and Jim Neidhart because of course Owen Hart's wife, um, you know, widow is still a raging bitch. So. Well, why wouldn't they go with the? Um, other incarnation that had Davy Boy and Pillman because of Owen because they can't have Owen in so they're not going to add Davy and Ryan also ah that's too good so basically they're inducting a tag team um yeah they're inducting the tag team of the Hart Foundation yeah okay okay and Jimmy right, Hart that... was and Jimmy Hart was their manager for most of that run yeah and that makes sense then because I was thinking why would the Hart Foundation faction go ahead of a few others but that makes sense right and and I you know. I don't know if they're, and you know, you know, they are kind of running out of headliners, so it would make sense to kind of bring another headliner back, and be the, uh, you know, be the lead guy in a tag team this time around. Especially when you, you know, you take into consideration that you know Jim Neidhart just died earlier this year. Um, you know, Jimmy Hart's not getting any younger, so. 
I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, I, 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 uh, I mean, I don't know. If I don't know that I'll be watching the Hall of Fame because we'll be watching G1 Supercard. But right. <laughs> we can always, we can always, get, you know, look back and, and and watch it. And I think that's a pretty. I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's that's actually kind of cool. I mean, Bret Hart's. What? No, go ahead. I was just going to say, Bret Hart. It, it's it's tough because Bret was my childhood hero. He was my hero all throughout. You know, the the uh, '90s with the before the Attitude Era really kicked in. And then, you know, he goes to WCW and just got wasted and, you know, never really recovered from that. But it's between him and AJ. And, well, I see, I've always been a huge Flair fan too. So him, AJ, and Flair, those are my, probably my top three of all time. So it is kind of cool to see him get inducted a second time. Yeah, that's actually what I was going to ask you is is where does Brett rate Brett in your uh, in your all time favorites list? So it's it's tough to say because uh, I I kind of view all three of those as the greatest of all time for different reasons. Oh, interesting. Let's let's, you know, let's, 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 let's let's talk about this. So okay, so how how do you how are you uh, rating that? Well, Flair, I don't see there's nobody on the planet that was a better showman than Flair was in the early eighties, and the late eighties and the early nineties, hell in, even into the dying days of WCW, he was still one of the best showmen on the planet. Um, you know, and, and just what he was able to bring from a uh, mouthpiece standard and everything. It, it, it's so far and above what everyone else was able to do at the time. And very few people can do at this time, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, he's always going to be as far as a showman goes an entertainer, one of the, Probably, probably my favorite all-time wrestler because of that part. Now, Bret Hart and AJ are kind of tied 1 and 1A right now because of what they're able to do in the ring, um, albeit different eras where AJ looks a lot flashier with what he does in the ring. But I mean, was it Wrestle Kingdom when Dan, Don Callis said about uh, Okada that he's the Bret Hart of this generation because you know what he's going to do. It's just he's so good at it, you can't stop him. And that's, I mean, that's kind of the way it was with Bret Hart, is that he just, every match he did, everything he did was fluid in the ring. He was an amazing storyteller in the ring. Um, But then you got AJ Styles, who I don't think has had a bad match since the mid-2000s. So it's it's kind of a tough, tough toss-up there. Um. As far as Flair, I, I really, I, I feel like a bad wrestling purist because I, I just, I just don't buy the argument about Ric Flair being one of the top, being the top wrestler of all time. Um, when I, when I go back and watch him, um, okay, so, so let, let's go back. So like growing up, you know, of course I was introduced to WWE first. I think with how, you know, like how a lot of people were and, and so you know, it's, I, I w- it's funny because I was introduced to AWA first, yeah, then NWA, and then WWE, WWF. Okay. So I, I was a AWA fan in the early '80s, and then kind of morphed into an NWA fan when because it was on, they were on back to back. So I started watching NWA right after AWA and got became a fan of them, and then. It wasn't until I want to say like '87 or '88 when I started really watching the WWE. Okay, and that's about the time I started watching it too, because it, just because of uh, 
timing and stuff. Because so, I mean, I, I mean, you you obviously started watching wrestling at an earlier time in life than I did. So, um, so you actually been a wrestling fan for longer than I have, which is which you know most people can't say that. So, <laughs> but you know, I, I'm 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 entering my 32nd year of watching pro wrestling. I want to say, yeah, and and uh, and originally. Um, when I started watching it, I was in South Korea. And so we, we only got like one American channel and the stuff we were watching was on delay. Um, so, you know, I was watching WrestleMania probably six months after it aired. And, and by the time I got over here in like June of 88, the Hart Foundation had gone from being the tag team champions to Brett being um, a baby face, which was really weird for me. Um, you know, he never stopped being my favorite wrestler, but, you know, he, he went to that spot for me. And, and because of that, you know, I didn't have cable, so I didn't have TBS, you know, I, so I, but I got really involved, you know, really interested in wrestling. So I would look at like the, the after mags, you know, like the wrestler and pro wrestling illustrated and things like that, where I would, where I would, you know, read this stuff about, you know, about Ric Flair and, um, but I really never got a chance to see him wrestle until, um, we were on our way back um, from Korea and, and we, we kind of drove across country from Washington because uh, we wanted to visit my aunts and uncles and stuff. And and at one of my relatives' house, I think it was my uncle Frank. Yeah, it was my uncle Frank's house. He had, he had TBS on. And so, you know, we could, we could kind of watch, you know, they were advertising that big uh, tower of doom structure where it was like, three cages and it was like sting and flair and luger i think in that involved in that or something um but that was really the first time i saw rick flair and i was kind of mesmerized by his promo style so i i saw, see, see where you're coming from with that um, well and i think but but, part of but, it... but but i was but i when i when i, when I look back at you know, even when i think back to like watching him perform when i was able to see it i can you know i think he only had like really three great years you know he had 89 he had 92 um, maybe 94 and I suppose probably 83, you know, 83 was probably one of those two where I just didn't, cause I, you know, cause I started watching it so late, I didn't get a chance to see it. But I mean, we're talking really about four great years in the span of like 30 some. And that's why I just, that's why I just don't, I don't buy that argument necessarily. I mean, I realize he was so influential for a lot of people coming up. I mean, there probably wouldn't be a triple H or a Steve Austin or a Shawn Michaels if there had never been a Ric Flair, but at the same time, I really feel like he's overrated. Well, and I think my um, the reason why I like Flair so much is because I started watching him, and I mean my favorite wrestlers at the time were him and um, well, I guess I, I take that back. I I first started watching American wrestling AWA um, mainly because of the uh, um, Midnight Rockers or um, Rock and Roll Express. No, no, the Midnight Rockers with uh, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. Um, they started in 85 in AWA, and that's kind of when I first started watching wrestling. And then it was the um, just the aura of the horsemen in NWA that kind of drew me to that. So as much as I love the babyface Midnight Rockers, and you know, and of course, I, it wasn't just the babyface Midnight Rockers. There was also, you know, the Road Warriors were in there too. Um, but as much as I liked them, once I saw the Four Horsemen and saw Flair and Arn and Ole and and Tully Blanchard, I I was an NWA fan from that day forward. I I don't think I, 
I think once I really started to get into and um, the Horsemen and the NWA, I was just done with WC or with AWA. Okay. And that, um, so it was weird because I saw, I saw the AWA first. I liked that first, but once I saw Flair, when and I guess when you look at it that way, because I I saw young Shawn Michaels. He was nowhere near what he is now, or what he became. So he's he was kind of the background to Marty Jannetty, and Marty Jannetty was never really that flashy. So it was like, yeah, they're fun to watch and everything. As a kid, I'm like, oh, this is great to watch. But when I first saw, started watching the Horsemen and seeing those promos and seeing the matches and um, realizing that I really did enjoy cheering for the bad guys for some reason, um, it, it just it brought it to a whole new level. And and I think that could be what why Flair has such a high mark in my life. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from him. He's still probably the best showman I've ever seen in the, in the ring or in the ring, uh, you know, on the mic. He's, he's amazing. And like there was a, just his off the cuff promos, the fact that he really had no boundaries in his promos. I I think was the most intriguing part. Well, you know, when we talk about off-the-cuff promos, I mean, that's really kind of an unfair statement because most organizations, you could, you could have, un, you know, off-the-cuff promos on. I mean, I mean, most organizations don't script what the fuck you're going to say. It's only like in recent, like the last 20 years that we've had an organization basically try to control every aspect of what a wrestler does. Um, so, I mean, I mean, I'll take D. Rhodes over, over Ric Flair. I'll take Terry Funk over Ric Flair. I'll probably take Shane Douglas over Ric Flair. It doesn't mean that Flair wasn't good. He was a good promo. And he did a great job of getting, getting angles over, but I mean, he also relied on a lot of catchphrases that those other guys didn't. Well, I mean, it was, I mean, it was always the uh, limousine riding, kiss stealing, son of a gun. It was always the like it or like, don't like it. You're going to have to learn to live with it. You know, it was always that same kind of stuff. And, and that's fine. I mean, it, it doesn't mean he was a bad promo guy, but I do think he's overrated that department as well. Dusty, Dusty, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take Steve Austin over him by NC, a long fucking margin. And see, all those guys relied on, on, with the exception of Terry Funk. I don't think Terry Funk ever had a catchphrase, but all, all those guys. The, the only catchphrase that, that Steve Austin relied, relied upon until he started the whole what bullshit was, and that's the bottom line. Oh, well, there was the oh hell yeah, and the Austin three sixteen is going to kick your ass, and the, um, when you hear the glass, that's your ass. You know, he, he had he, he said Austin three sixteen is going to kick your ass one time. No, he said it quite a few times. No, and, no, he said it once, and 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 you know, and and that, that's not even the, that's not even what he said that rings the that rings the most with me. I, my, what rings the most with me is when he said to Bret Hart. You better you better call the Lord or some or somebody because your ass belongs to me. So, anyway, Girl, you're anyway, fired up today. I you're, am. You are on a roll. But yeah, you, and, yeah, and, and and you know it was the Bret Hart thing. It's also the fact that my wife and I got t- got our reservations for Las Vegas for all for a double or nothing weekend. You know, I'm I'm really I'm, I'm really on a roll tonight. Yeah, I I don't know what to say about all that. But if you, I mean, if you think if if you think about it, the time that I started watching wrestling was a late '84, '85. Um, you had the the Rock and Roll Express in their whole, or not Rock and Roll Express. I'm sorry, Midnight Rockers. Um, you had the 
Actually, yeah, the Rock and Roll Express was there too because that was uh, Gibson and Morton. Um, and the, Rose, yeah, they were they were in, in the NWA. I don't I don't know if they were ever in the AWA. Oh yeah, they were they were in the AWA. Yeah, because okay. they were they were all there at around the same time, the eighty four, eighty five. I think they all kind of made the jump to NWA in like eighty six and eighty seven. So I mean, you had at the time when I was becoming a wrestling fan, I'm watching people like Kurt Hennig, the Midnight Rockers, the Road Warriors, the uh, Midnight Express. You know, Dusty Rhodes and Dick Murdoch were there for a while. You had Bob Orton was there for a little bit. Larry Zbysko. So, I mean, they had... The Crusher and the Bruiser? Oh, yeah, both the Crusher and the Bruiser. I mean, yeah, the Nasty Boys were there for a little bit. I mean, there was was a lot to like about the AWA in the early 80s. And then Vince comes in and and steals, you know, some of their top talent, like Hulk Hogan left in, uh, I want to say, like, 83... Um, before I started watching him, I never got to see him there. But and people like Colonel De Beers and Nick, Nikita Koloff and all those guys left before I started watching it. And then I started watching it with, you know, some of the greatest tag teams ever. And then of course, you know, you know people like Kurt Henning was there, and um, you know I didn't get to see Ric Flair because Ric Flair was the early '70s in in AWA. But you know, I got my first love of wrestling by watching these guys in the AWA. And then switching over to the NWA was easy because most of these guys went over to the NWA. I mean, you had the Road Warriors jumped there, all the horsemen. You had uh, um, the Midnight Express jumped to the old NWA. You had, so it was, it was easy to make that switch over to the NWA because all of the guys that I was liking in the AWA were now in the NWA. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Definitely. You know, even Larry Zbysko back in the day, I remember watching him in the 80s and just, you know, one-off matches when he was in the AWA. So it just, it was a nice, easy transition. And I didn't become a WWF fan until, I want to say WrestleMania 3. The lead-up to WrestleMania 3, and the only reason I even started watching it, because I was I was a diehard NWA. I came home from school every day. Because uh, they would show reruns of the AWA and NWA on ESPN at the time. Mm-hmm. So I would come home from school and I'd sit down and I'd watch the AWA and the NWA back to back. And then I'd do my homework and, you know, whatever else. And then, you know, do the same thing next day. Uh, and it was nice because it was, that was my fix. And I, a friend of mine got tickets to a WWF show in Duluth, uh, you know, our for people that <laughs> I guess aren't in Minnesota, um, it, uh, Duluth is a harbor town that's about an hour south of where I grew up. And and, 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 and also, um, you know, it, for those of you who aren't who do not live in Minnesota, after the last week we had, you'll be you should be very grateful. Yes, you should. <laughs> but um, a friend of mine, uh, I remember it because his his stepdad got these tickets for us, um, got them for me and him and another one of our friends. And, and he brought them down, brought us all down there. And it was really the first chance I actually got to see the WWF live and in person. And it was, it was, they were taping superstars and they taped like four hours, four episodes of superstars. And, you know, it was such a different feeling being there live and seeing people like, um, uh, well, Hogan wasn't there, but I think Savage was Savage was there. Piper was there. They had a Piper's Pit. 
you know, they had all this stuff going on. So it was just being there live and seeing all this stuff live and in person. Then all of a sudden I kind of ditched the NWA for a while and, and went solely to WWF because it was just, I don't know what it was. It something just appealed to me with all the pageantry and, and people like Randy Savage and Piper and all that. Yeah, I mean that that's really what got me into it too. I I have to say, you know, that's I mean, that's not what got you into it, but it's what it's what attracted you. It's it really what is what got me into it is, you know, guys like um, you know, the, the larger than life stuff. I mean, I I was even a Hogan fan for a little bit, you know. Because they were they were larger than life, you know, they were, you know, there was all this all the bright colors and the music and and all that well, stuff. I mean, it was it was uh it really was a, you know, a, a spectacle like you said. Well, and what got me in, it's funny because what got me into wrestling was actually the wrestling aspect, the part that we're searching for now, the part that we want to watch. We want to watch the in-ring talent. We want to watch the, you know, quick to the point backstage promos and the, and the great promos by the the good talkers. That's what we want to see. Yep. You know, we don't want to see a dancing uh, a dude doing a, a, a flapping his arm dance with a bird on his shoulder anymore. You know, and it's sad because, it, and I, I'm going to bring this up in a little bit too, because it was one thing about Defiant, watching Defiant today that just kind of stuck with me. And if it wasn't for the fact that the in-ring talent was so good, I might actually punch out on it. But the, the pageantry and all that, with, that sucked me in when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, now is the stuff that I can't stand seeing. And I'm back wow. to and I'm back to what actually really got me into wrestling in the first place, which was the matches. Watching right. these guys pull off these moves. Like when the Midnight Rockers came about and Michaels and Janetti were tearing up the AWA, that was something you never saw before. You never saw people pull off moves like that. And now that's fourteen times in every single match. So it's you know it was it was great actually seeing the in ring stuff and I think the in ring stuff has gotten so diluted that unless you've got two good storytellers in the ring the matches themselves suffer. Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good point. Um, and actually, I was I think I think you kind of answered it as you were as you were talking about your kind of evolution into, into WWF. But I was I was just wondering if. Uh, because when you first wrestled WrestleMania three and and watching that, I was I, it made me think. I wonder, you know, I wonder which which you preferred, Clash of the Champions or WrestleMania four. Oh, Clash of the Champions. Right, and did you and did you watch either one of them live? No. Okay. No, I didn't. Um, well, no, I take that back. I did watch WrestleMania four live. Okay. But the length of that tournament and the length of the show is what killed me. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, that was the first time there was ever a four-hour show. And, you know, now, I mean, I'm complaining about six- and seven-hour shows, but, <laughs> you know, that was the first ever four-hour show, and it was just so long that by the time Savage actually won, even I was noticing, hey, this is all about Hogan. This has nothing to do with Savage. Right. You know, and that was me as a, a what, 10-year-old? Oh, what was that? 80, 89, 88? Hogan and Savage, Hogan and Savage was, uh, well, the, the, yeah, WrestleMania was, was, was 88. Okay, yeah, so, so yeah, it was... Like 14, maybe? 14, yeah. Yeah. So it, 
it was just one of those where it was like, even as a 14-year-old, I was like, fuck, the spotlight's on Hogan. Why? Why? And I guess maybe I was never a, a Hulk Hogan fan. So it just never really... I, I mean, I'm probably one of the few people that didn't mark out when he beat Andre the Giant. I was actually mad that Andre didn't win. <laughs> you know, as a 13-year-old, I'm mad that Andre, the, that the bad guy Andre the Giant didn't beat the All-American hero because he just annoyed me that much. Gotcha. Um, so, thinking ba- thinking back on, I mean, looking looking at my, you know, we, we actually have two out of the three, two out of the top three guys the same. I mean, it's 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 a uh, Bret Hart and AJ Styles for me, just like it was for you. The other guy for me is Chris Jericho, um, and of course, you know, he, he and he and AJ are still establishing their legacies. But I mean, and, I mean, Jericho to me is, I mean, he's such a chameleon. I've enjoyed him and everything he's ever done all the way. You know, I, I watched, I saw him in his first ever match in ECW when he won the television championship all the way through everything he's done since. And he's such a creative mind. He, he is such a great performer. Um, I, I've, I just, I've just loved everything about him in his, in his career. And, and, See, uh, and he's got the resume to, to back it up. You know? and, for, and for me, he's number four. He's my he's my fourth favorite of all time, and it's just he's just behind those other three. It, it's hard because when you start getting to guys of that caliber, when you start getting the flares and AJs and and um, uh, Bret Hart's and Chris Jericho's, it's hard to distinguish one over the other. I mean, I, if I had to pick, I'd say you know my top three favorite of all time: Flair, Hart, AJ. And then, you know, Jericho's a close, close, close fourth. Because you're right, everything he's done, still some of my favorite wrestling moments of all time were Chris Jericho. You know, Jericho in his um, interrupting The Rock on his first ever Monday Night Raw. Jericho in his um, Man of a Thousand and One Moves, where he spent an entire... Uh, thousand and four. Was it a thousand four? Yeah. It, that's still one of my favorite promos of all time when he's reading off this list of all the moves he knows, and every other move was an arm bar. Arm bar. It was just that. It, that was such brilliance. And when he was the trophy collector, and I remember one match he had. It had to have been '96, right when he was uh, right after his heel turn. He got into a feud with Juventud Guerrero, and that was where the that was where Hoovy lost his mask and everything. Um, but I just remember him after a lion tamer, him looking at the camera and just covering his mouth like a home alone type thing and going, Oh my God, I killed Hoovy. I killed Hoovy. It's still one of the greatest moments I think I've ever seen in, on in wrestling. Jericho is many people could argue that he's a goat and I would have a hard time arguing against him. Right. Yeah, he's definitely one of them. So, um, Maybe we should maybe we should move on. <laughs> that's like a, that's like a, that's like a, that's like a half hour discussion we weren't planning on. So. Why shit? I could do that all night. <laughs> um. So so I uh, let's move on. Let's move on to, to some all elite wrestling discussion because we we got some interesting stuff going on this week. Um, and I want to start with I guess Dean Ambrose simply because Ryan Ryan had tweeted us and asked or he tweeted me actually and asked me. Um, do you and Jeff want Dean Ambrose to join All Elite Wrestling? Oh yeah, I want Johnny and, and, Moxley back. And I'm and, and I'm gonna. Um, you just interrupted me when I was going to say something. And yeah. I'm and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna take the lead on this one and say no, I do not want Dean Ambrose in AEW. 
I do want I do I do want fucking Johnny Moxley in AEW though. Okay, there you go. All right. I mean, I, I mean, I I want to see him be back to that character where he was, you know, the you know the like like Heath Ledger's Joker. I mean, I don't care if it might be a little bit aged now. He still plays it really well, and he's still amazing. Um, he's still an outstanding professional wrestler all around, and I really want him to be back to that character and rocking the world the way that you know the way that he could have if WWE hadn't just you know. Screwed him over at every turn, basically. I think I think one of the biggest mistakes that the WWE made with with Ambrose and his character, and you know, one thing that it just it was funny to me because I I told you first about Dean Ambrose not getting resigned, or not you know re-upping his contract. He was leaving at the end of WrestleMania, and it was it was kind of surreal because you and I spent what a good twenty minutes talking about Ambrose last Monday. And how WWE has screwed him up so bad that he might never recover, and you know how he needs to leave and all this stuff. But it, the thing that the major thing that they did with the Ambrose character that really I think was like the death nail for his character was the uh, the fact that they tried to do a tamed down version of Johnny Moxley. They tried to do the. The, yeah, very, like you very, said, but, the, but only but only very briefly. Yeah, because they did the whole you know lunatic fringe and all that stuff. But he was he was an Eddie Edwards type lunatic where he wasn't really a lunatic. He was just a res, wrestler that carried a kendo stick. You know, I mean, they did a little bit with him, but it borderlined hokey. With his, um, it's still one of my fun one of the funnier moments. Dean Ambrose moments was with the um, briefcase when Seth Rollins opened it up and got covered with mustard. Um, it was hokey, but that was the perfect Johnny Moxley character thing that they could have done, but they never capitalized on that. All of a sudden, they just went with him calling him a lunatic fringe, but what did he do that made him a lunatic? Um, he had weird facial expressions? That was, that was it. I mean, that <laughs> was honestly it. There was nothing else that he did that made him a lunatic. Right, I, I totally agree. Um, and then, of course, we and then of course you got you know the other news came out was that uh, Kenta has also asked for his release. Um, and I, I, his I, was I, granted. His was immediately granted. It it was. He's, I mean, he's, I think he still has a no compete clause or something. But uh, um, and I expect he's probably going to go back to Japan. So I'm hoping he you know he shows up in a JPW. But um, it, but if not, you know, I, I would not mind having him in in. Um, AEW also because you know I think Kenta is still an amazing performer. He just needs to have the, he just needs to have those shackles taken off. You know the shackles that are called WWE quote unquote creative. Yeah, and maybe make him a lightweight again, not the heavyweight that he was forever. Yeah, I want. I yeah, exactly. Um, and then, uh, you have anything else to say on Kenta at all? Or or uh, Moxley. Really, nothing on Kenta. I do want to touch on uh, Ambrose slash Moxley slash Jonathan Good um, a little bit later on, but I don't really have much to say more about him now. Okay, fair enough. Only because we've got something you know coming up that we talked about earlier today that we want to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. So and then, and then of course the other big news is that. 
on a hand on a, on a quote unquote handshake deal, the Lucha Brothers are now part of all of the wrestling. Well, technically, they didn't actually show the handshake. I didn't. I didn't. I haven't watched being the Elite yet, so I don't. Oh, know. Okay. All right. Well, now I'm sorry. I ruined it for you. But no, technically, technically, they didn't actually show the handshake. They you know confronted him in the ring and they they invited him over and they said you know we don't have paperwork now but we can do this on a handshake. And they had their hands extended, and Phoenix and Pentagon were talking back and forth. And just as they turned to face the Bucks again, fade to black. So we never actually saw the handshake, but every rumor on the planet is talking about how they've already signed. So I'm going to go with the rumors at this point. <clears throat> right, and it's and it's interesting because I mean they're also under contract with uh, Lucha Underground. Yeah, so Impact and uh, and AAA and CMLL. So it's just it's just amazing. I mean, those guys can do pretty much anything they want in the wrestling world. I guess they're they're that hot, you know. I mean, they're and, that good. I mean, well, they are, and and you know, I mean, you and I, you know, I mean, both of them have limitations, you know. But um, I, I think Penta has, you know, a, a really. I think they both have really high ceilings. Um, I just think that Pentagon needs a bit of guidance as far as not overdoing his Sierra Mieto, Mieto thing. Oh, you know? Jesus Christ. He does that 47 times, and it, it, it always gets interrupted every single time. At some point, he'll do it like six times in a row, and then it gets interrupted on the seventh time. Yeah, I mean... Sorry, and, I and, 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 when, and, you know, I mean, I think the, I think the crowd uh, response to it is, you know, kind of hurts that, too, because, I mean, they're always doing it with him, and, and they're excited to do it with him, so that, of course, the more you're popping the crowd, the more you're going to want to do something. But there's, a, but there's also, you know, the law of diminishing returns, and there's also the staleness factor that could happen. So, I mean, I, I really think he only needs to – he should only be doing that, you know, in, in, in certain spots in, in matches, not, like you said, 47 times during a match. I don't, I don't even and, – And not when he's about to just hit, like, a clothesline or something. I don't think he should be doing it during the match. I think that should be his I, – I don't mind it at the beginning of the match – as much when he's, you know, standing doing his face to face with uh, with his opponent, then I don't mind it. It's once he's in the middle of a match and he does it. It's like you just took us out of the whole story of the match just to do your stupid catchphrase. Well, that's true, but I mean, there's there are like like for instance in, in the match against at all win against Kenny. When Kenny was about to hit him with the V trigger, and he and he like you know did this Sierra Mieto to show that he wasn't afraid of the V trigger, I thought that worked really well. I, I, I just I just think it's when he does it before pretty much common moves that it makes no sense because what because what do you have to be afraid of when you're just doing a move on somebody? Jesus, for him, every move is a common move. How many times does a fear factor get kicked out of? That might be the most kicked out move since the uh, since Flair's Figure Four. Well, I guess Flair's figure four wasn't really kicked out of, but you know what I mean. Right. No, I do. I do get it. I mean, and I, and honestly, I, I which which one actually is the fear factor? Because if you because if you watch Impact, the fear factor is the um, the, uh, the package pile driver. But if you watch MLW, the fear factor is the pump handle, like uh, I don't know, pump handle into a. Well, that's the Lamby. God style. Isn't that the God style that he does in MLW? No, he does like the like a the, like a karma by uh, Yoshihashi. 
Oh, yeah, he does, doesn't he? Okay. Speaking of which, AEW is really running through the ranks of MLW, aren't they? Uh, yes. MLW is getting to the point where they might not have any talent left. I think they're going to be, I think they're going to keep on, you know, they're going to keep being a, fe- a feeder system for like uh, Ring of Honor and AEW and Impact, like uh, like Progress and Evolve or feeder systems for WWE is what it seems like to me. You know, I mean, people are going to come up, they're going to get signed, and um, I mean, and, and you know, there's there's still guys that are that are that are great. You know, I mean, there's you know, there's there's Lawler who I believe just won the um, their world championship this weekend. Um, ah, spoiler. I, well, I'm sure you would have seen it eventually. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm only on episode 26. Yeah, you're like 15 ahead of me, jackass. That's because you are taking your sweet time doing something else. Bragging about your All Elite Wrestling Show tickets. I don't have the tickets for the show yet. I just have the uh, the hotel reserved. So... Um, um. Anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, MLW. So, um, you know, but they do have Teddy Hart, Brian Pillman, and David Boy Smith Jr. wrapped up. So I mean, at least at least they have they have those guys with with uh, exclusive contracts. You know, whatever that means. <laughs> An exclusive contract to MLW. Yeah. Does that even exist? Yeah, those three guys signed. I, I think it was like just earlier, or just like last month. I think they signed those. You son of a bitch. What? Son of a bitch. Now what did I do? Because now I know that Tom Lawler won the championship. (laughs) (laughs) Son of a bitch. I saw a headline that said new MLW champion crowned at whatever the event was this weekend. Super fight. Super fight. So so whether it was Lawler or not, you know, I don't know. Now I look this up, and um, I also found out there's new tag team champions, too. So now I'm even more upset. Well, see, now that part I didn't spoil. Oh, my God, there's a new middleweight champion, too. Now, see, that part. See, I didn't spoil any of that stuff for you. You just spoiled it for yourself. So don't blame me anymore. Well, the worst part is this uh, one of the guys who holds the middleweight and also one half of the tag team champions was going to be one of my picks for something coming on later on. Oh, okay. Well, now I'm pissed. All right, you're welcome. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> all right, so let's go ahead and take our. Uh, do you have anything to say about uh, anything else to say about Phoenix and? Well, I know I started to say something. I started to say that I think they both have limitations, you know. And we we talked a little bit about pentagons. I mean, for for Phoenix, I think that he's I think he's absolutely spectacular in the ring, and I think he's absolutely the best high flyer in the business right now. Um, I, I, I told you, I think he's, I think he's the Rob Van Dam of the current day. Cause I think he just does things out there that nobody else does. And he seems like he's so creative coming up with a new, new move all the time. And he's willing to put his body at, at, you know, incredible risk. But unfortunately I don't really see much of a character to him at this point. Well, and uh, I think, I think a lot of that character we lose because of the translation. Like, Maybe, but, he, but 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 he does speak English, whereas his brother at least has not, sh- you know, either doesn't or has not shown that he does. Oh, he does. I mean, he okay. does. He speaks it in in future MLW um, tapings, but you can definitely tell that he struggles with it. Okay. Uh, but even still, I mean, look at Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio is a San Diego boy. He spoke perfect English, and he didn't have much of a character outside of his. Um, High flying ability until what 
his filthy animal days, which, right. you know, we're not supposed to know that he had his mask off. No, no, we're not, because we were, we're dumb people. And he wore those stupid horns. What the fuck was with the horns? I never understood that. Right. But, you know, it, I think that a lot of Phoenix and his um, character gets lost in translation because when you look at just the – I've been watching – I'm almost caught up with Impact to Bound for Glory. Um, and you, they're doing their Mexico run right now where they've got four four episodes in Mexico before they hit the Bound for Glory. And you can just tell by the crowd reaction and the way he carries himself on those Mexico episodes, which is so much different than the way he carries himself in MLW and Impact. I just think that there's something being lost in the translation that we're not getting. Oh, yeah, definitely could be. You know, and, and, maybe, and maybe, you know, AEW will be able to bring that out, or maybe, you know, maybe it's partly because, um, you know, there's, still, there's so much of the tag team stuff going on, or so much, you know, he's being overshadowed by his brother. You know, I, I, I thought, you know, and he was actually, you know, really great as a character in the, what, the first season of um, Lucha Underground, you know? Yeah, he was amazing. Yeah. His, and, and his feud with his brother was amazing. He had so many. I I can't say enough about Lucha Underground. I just thought everything they did was amazing. But the um, you know, when you look at Phoenix, I there there's just things that that guy does in the ring that literally make me stand up. And and you're right, a lot like Rob Van Dam did 20 years ago, where you just you look at him and you're just in awe. And his rolling cutter is still possibly one of my favorite moves right now that I can't think of many that are better than that. Right. I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I, I love that move. I love his, uh, I love his uh, spinning like muscle buster type finish. Um, I love the, I love his springs off the ropes. It just looks so graceful and amazing. Um, I, I just think he's, I think he's a fantastic wrestler. Um, and, and I, and I would, and I just want, I, but I just want that character to evolve that we saw in Lucha Underground that first, you know, that first couple of seasons to the point where, you know, I don't have to worry about him being, you know, I, I think he's going to be a big star either way. And I think Pentagon will be a big star, but I just think they both need a little bit of, of, uh, I think the Pentagon needs a little bit of reigning in. And I think that, 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 uh, Phoenix needs a little bit of, um, support, like, you know, building up a character and stuff. That's all. Yeah, that, I mean that's true. I guess I do. I do get that. I just I personally think a lot of Phoenix is being lost, just being lost in the uh, in the transition. Then that's definitely possible. Translation, you mean, right? Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. All right. Um. So let's take a quick break, and then we will talk about. Uh, oh no, let's just should we finish up the all? Let's finish the all, all elite stuff up. All right, let's do that. Yeah, if you want to. Yeah. All right. So. I suggested that we each come up with a with a top five, um, top five uh, guys that we w- we would want to see be the first um, all elite wrestling champion. And in doing so, we just, we decided we're not going to take guys that we're not going to select guys that are under contract to New Japan Pro Wrestling or to any aspect of World Wrestling Entertainment. So. And and see, the, there's reasons behind that though, because otherwise this would become a fantasy draft 
And when when we're looking at this, we need to look at it in a way that these are guys that have a legitimate chance to show up at the um, you know all elite to double or nothing and actually win the title. You know, like I would love to have Okada be the um, first heavyweight title holder for All Elite Wrestling, but we know that's not going to happen because, well, he's not leaving Japan. Right, exactly. And see, that's where, and you know, I don't want to cut you off here, but I think we need to take into consideration um, people that whose contracts are going to be up before that fatal moment. Because well, there are... There are right. three, there's three guys in WWE right now that their contracts are up. They're not coming back. Okay, so Dean Ambrose and who else? AJ Styles. And, uh, oh, man, there was one other guy that I had. I had it earlier, and now I lost it. How do, how, do we, how do we know AJ Styles isn't coming back? We don't, but we know his contract's up, and he hasn't signed long-term yet. So there's still the possibility. Okay. You know, and this whole news you told me about MLW pisses me off because there goes one of my guys. One of my top five. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and the other and the An other thing is that, you know, the other the other thing is that we don't we don't know where, you know, when the contracts are up at other places like like Ring of Honor or Impact things like that. So, well, the so, thing the thing with WWE though is we know that AJ his contracts up after WrestleMania. We know Ambrose is not coming back. Um, so I, I think those are guys that should be on the table. We know uh, um, Kodai Bushi. You know, we know right. Kenny Omega. Their contracts are up. They're not signed anywhere. Right. You That's know, true. so, I mean, these are guys that are legitimately on the table because even though they re- are recognized as New Japan stars right now, they're not under contract. Or they won't be at double or nothing unless they sign something in the next two months. Um. Okay, so first of all, I would I'll bet you a hundred million dollars right now that Kenny Omega is not unsigned. <laughs> oh no, yeah, I mean, we know he's signed to All Elite. They're just not they're, they're not gonna to... be announcing it for a couple of days. Yeah, right. They, they, have that, they have that special celebration on you know the ticket uh, the ticket party on Thursday. So you know he'll be announced then along with probably some other folks. Probably um, Lucha Brothers and. Well. Yeah, but I think there going to be. I think there'll be more people that are that are going to be a surprise rather than people that are not, you know, that are not going to be a surprise. So I think I think they'll have more surprises like they did for us last time around, like Pac and Jericho and. Uh, was Jericho really a surprise? Well, because I, I called I called the whole Jericho thing two months before it actually happened. Well, it was at least a big get if it wasn't a surprise. Right. Because I mean, it was they were in cahoots trying um, with the Khan brothers to start up the promotion before Jericho back kind of backed out of it a little bit. And I read somewhere this isn't the first time that uh, the Khan family has been in talks with Jericho and uh, another person about starting up a promotion. Supposedly, a couple years ago, they um, Jericho and, and um, Jim Ross approach them about a, a possible uh, startup of a promotion. Oh, interesting. I, I had no idea. I, I don't remember where I read that. It was on it was on some article I read about Jericho. 
Oh, okay. Um, I don't, I don't remember where we're going with. Oh yeah, and then, and then of course you know they had Joey Janela, they had MJF, um, they had Penelope Ford. Let's see. No, of course we, you know, we we knew about the other people, but I mean those were the the you know kind of the big surprises. Um, I mean, and and you know you, you can debate on how on how much of a surprise each one of them was, but you know at least it was people that we didn't know that that they were you know that they had actually signed. So. Um, Oh, when you watch Being the Elite 2, um, Christopher Daniels is on a roll right now. Okay. He is just, he, because um, he chipped his tooth in that episode a couple weeks ago. Right. Um, there's a spot at the beginning where they have him completely pixelated out. Um, and they're, I, and I don't know if they're trying to hide the fact that it was Christopher Daniels, but it was clearly Christopher. Um uh, but it kind of made sense later on because he's been hiding his mouth because of his chipped tooth. Just something, just something to look for. It's in the very beginning of the episode, so when you watch it, you'll you'll catch on to what I'm saying. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but okay, it's it's definitely definitely entertaining. Okay, so I'm gonna sort of, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead off with mine, um, and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go in number one through five order. So my number one pick and. And actually, my, my first three picks are basically because even though I grew up on WWE and then, you know, ended up transitioning to NWA slash WCW, I really agree more with the NWA WCW style of booking a promotion, meaning that I think that it is far, far better to have a heel dominant monster champion that a babyface is chasing than to... Um, than to have a, a, a face that is dominating the promotion. Uh, I and, can't agree more. And so when I think about the heels, when I think about professional wrestling right now and the great character that is a heel, I cannot choose anybody to be my number one, especially for a company that's going to be based on professional wrestling and this guy is not much of a professional wrestler, but he's a fantastic character getting everybody to hate him, and that's Bully Ray. Wow. You know, that whole lead-up you had, I thought you were going to say my number one guy. Nope, it's Bully Ray. Because Bully, right. Bully Ray is completely hated. Um, he would be you know, the ab- opposite of anybody's number one pick to be the champion of All Elite Wrestling. Um, and I think that the crowd would get really, really... Uh, behind hating, you know, loving to hate that guy. Do you want to alternate our picks or do you just want to go all the way through your five? No, I want to alternate them. Because I, I was along the same thinking. I want that heel, that despicable heel that, you know, the baby faces are trying to knock off and a lot of the same reasons. I mean, this guy has been one of the best characters of, of the last year. Um, he pulls the same, he pulls different feuds with the same character off on two separate shows. And he's just, he's, he's easily the best part of both shows. And that's Sammy Callahan. I would love to see Sammy Callahan come in and take that spot. Yeah. That's a great choice. Also. I, he wasn't, he wasn't actually on my list, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely can see where you're thinking is with that. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. With Sammy Callahan, the thing is that I'm not sure that he has the. Um, 
that he has the uh, the pop, the sizzle, the name value to really be. No, because he doesn't great, have great. the history. He doesn't have. He's he's only been really a name for the last year. But right now, I mean, when you're starting up a promotion, what better than to have an antagonist like Sammy Callahan is? I Sammy. Well, right, and, and and that's why I think he would be great to be a champion there. I just don't think that he's a great choice to be the first champion there because he doesn't have that. Um, he doesn't have that. He doesn't have that name value. He doesn't have that. That uh, I'm trying to think of another word besides pop. But I mean, he's he's not going to. to he, he's not I mean, going to draw in the 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 rubes. Basically, it, it's no, I, I get I get where you're coming from because it was but. At the same, I mean, point, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's almost like like having Bo Dallas be your champion in NXT. You know, it, for me, I think one of the biggest mistakes TNA made to start their promotion off was having Ken Shamrock their first champion. Because uh, I think they went too much with that big name. You know, this guy's going to draw on people because he was literally just coming off of his WWE run. He was still the um, baddest man on the planet. You know, for a long time, you know, before that, he had such a name recognition. I just felt like it was a misstep by them to not go with one of their, I I don't want to say own guys, but they went with somebody who became a name somewhere else. Right. And to me, to me, it felt more like, uh, you know, have these guys on the roster, have these guys chase the champion, these names, have have these people in a position where you can get behind them because they're, they're a name that you want to see win. Don't have them being the top dog right from the start. Gotcha. Um, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with the bully, bully Ray. I think he would be a great heel champion um, and would make a great first, but because you and I kind of went along the same lines there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why I went with Sammy Callahan, just because I think Sammy is Sammy is so good at carrying the promos and carrying the hatred and making I, Jesus Christ. He made me start liking Shane Strickland for Christ's sake. <laughs> you know, no, yeah, that's I, how good he is. I just think Sammy Callahan needs needs to. Um, he needs some time for his character to breathe in a promotion and get and build up to that point. Like, I mean, like, like right now, if Sammy Callahan um, took the Impact World Championship away from Johnny uh, Johnny Impact, I would be all I would be all for that because he's had such t- some time to build up that hatred. He's built up that stable. Um, you know, I mean, I, and I haven't been watching it for a few months now, but I mean, you know, he was building things up to the point where he was getting to be the hottest thing in that promotion and, and he and Pentagon right along with him. So to um, to see that happen with him to win the championship, to me, that that is the perfect timing. And I think and I think that same kind of thing needs to be, needs to happen with him somewhere else, because I just don't think he's got the cash. Cachet is the word I was looking for. I don't think he has the cachet to be you know, to be the, the first heel world champion of that promotion. And the only, only way you could really do that is, um, is, um, I guess, I guess it's it's like a huge swerve. And I think, and I think he would get more X-Pac heat than he would anything else. You think Sammy would? I think if that, I think if that were the case. 
See, and, and I think with the smart wrestling fans now and the fact that there's such a um, focus on not only independence but smaller promotions, I think he comes in with a much bigger backing than you know even even you or I are aware of. Just because there are so many fans of MLW, there's so many fans of Impact, there's so many people that like his work, and even the people that aren't diehard fans of these promotions know of Sammy Callahan, the things he did from the Jericho cruise, and the fact the whole lead up with the whole Twitter war between him and Jericho, leading up to the Jericho cruise. You know, I just think there's a, I think there's enough heat behind him with the smart wrestling fans that he could pull it off. Right. I, I guess, I, I guess I can, I guess I can see that. I just, I just can't wholeheartedly endorse it. I guess. I mean, I'd, I'd really have to see it. It's one of those things I have to see it to believe it. I guess right. I get. Oh, I get that. I definitely get that. All right. Where are you uh, going at number two? All right. Number two is, um, Somebody that I don't know is really going to be signed to another professional wrestling organization or a major one after the shitty pulled in October, but it's still somebody who I think would be a, a, an, an amazing heel world champion. And, 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 and we've seen it so many times before from him. And, and that was my number two. Is, and, of course is, and that, of course, is A-double Austin Aries. Yeah, that was my number two as well. Same reasons. He just, he's the perfect asshole. All right, but I now I'm gonna switch up my number two because um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that was, but that seriously, that was my number two guy. Um, you know, I think if I'm gonna go with a number two, uh, a lot of the same reason. Um, I went with Sammy Callahan, but this guy's got much better name recognition as Dean Ambrose slash Johnny Moxley. I think he's a guy that could definitely um, fit the character of a great heel champion. I think he's somebody that people get behind chasing, and I just think that he has, you know, that kind of skill set where he would, he would be the name value that you were looking for with Bully Ray. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't paying attention to you. What did you say? <laughs> I'm serious. What? Who did you say? Gene Ambrose. Okay. Slash Johnny Moxley. A lot of the same reason that I went with Sammy Callahan, you went with Bully Ray. Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess I can see that. I mean, I mean, and and that's the thing is that Moxie would come in there with that huge name value. He would come in there with that cachet, um, and he would just set the promotion on on fire. Right. Um, I, I I guess I just. I'm, hes- I'm hesitant to say let's have somebody who just left WWE and failed in that role be, in- be our world champion right off the bat. All right. Um, say you're number three. I got to take care of something real quick. Well, you're not going to hear it if, if you do that. What's that? <laughs> you're not going to hear it if I do that. Um, okay, then talk about Johnny Moxley some more because I got to deal with a child. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Johnny Moxley, um, for those of you who don't know, wrestled for for Dragon Gate and some other independent promotions, um, and he did this character that was based on Heath Ledger's Joker. So he was, you know, insane, um, psycho, and um, and things like that. So 
Um, um, so, you know, we just, you know, I just, I just think that he'd be an amazing, I would just love to have him to get back, be able to get back to that character and to be able to show it on a larger stage because WWE never really afforded him that opportunity. You know, every time, I, every time it seems like they were going to, you know, they either pulled back on it or he got injured or, and, and then of course, when he, when he made his heel turn, it was no longer, nowhere near that, that Johnny Moxley character. So I just think, um, so I just think that is, you know, the, what we really need to see on a, on a major stage. I just don't really want, you know, somebody who was just in WWE a couple of months ago coming in and winning the championship. I mean, that has a very Kurt Angle in TNA feel to me where, you know, it would make AEW feel kind of small time were that the case. You know, Aries, you know, Aries is different because he's been a, a champ pretty much everywhere he's gone. Bully Ray is different because he has so much distance from WWE and, and has shown himself to be an incredible character performer and, prof- and singles professional wrestler um, apart from that. So um, to me, that is the thing um, that we really need to focus on is, you know, AEW needs to be something special, something um, something different, something, you know, it needs to be the other for um, the big time wrestling promotions because it's going to be up there competing with WWE. It's got the, it's got the financial backing. It's got the, um, it's got the support of a couple of guys that really know how to run sports teams successfully, you know, Jacksonville Jaguars aside. (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, I, I think it really will be the one competing with WWE for the, you know, for those, for the top money, the top um, stars, the top, you know, ticket sales. So, I think that it's a bad look if they put somebody who was, you know, just in WWE a couple of months ago in that top spot, the promotion. Are you back yet, Jeff? Yeah. And that does make sense. Um, and, and I can see where you're coming from there too, because that's a lot of, I guess that's a lot of the issue I had with Shamrock was the fact that he was just coming up being a big name in WWF. Mm-hmm. And he became their champion. So I guess I can see where you're coming from with that, with Ambrose as well. Sorry, child, child had a TV meltdown. <laughs> now, now, that, now that said, I'm going to be a little bit of a hypocrite here because my third choice is somebody who also recently left WWE, but he had the, he, but he had the courage of his condi- convictions to sit out his contract because WWE wasn't going to let him perform. Um, the way that he wanted to, you know, he basically told them, told them where to stick it, that he wasn't just going to be a cruiserweight anymore. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, that he was, that he was going, that he was going to, um, that, you know, if they didn't have anything for him, he was going to just uh, sit at home and, you know, collect a paycheck. And that is Pac. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I mean, to me, I mean, he's not the same level as Ambrose as far as being a huge name. And, and I think, and I think he's kind of cleared the air a bit for himself. So, you know, he's the Dragon Gate champion on all that stuff. Um, and um, he put on an amazing match with ZSJ at RPW. I, he, know, I, um, I haven't seen it yet, but he, he, put, uh, on, he, put, a, he put on a really great one with David Starr in Defiant. Mm-hmm. Yep, and he uh, he just made a splash in this week's Defiant too. Right, he did. You know, he, he had that. So. And uh, and uh, the other thing is that. Uh, you know, he he came out and he basically said as much that he wanted to be the new champ, the first champion of AEW, and I and and he is a proper bastard. So he yep. he's, he's another one of those guys that you know I think would be 
a great guide for somebody for a baby face to be chasing. Yeah, and I, and I I I toyed with him on my list, but I figured you were going to steal him, so I actually kept him off because um, I didn't want another A double happening. Um, but my third one is Teddy Hart. Okay. And we kind of that my dreams kind of got crushed a little bit when you told me now that he's signed exclusive to MLW, but what Teddy Hart does in MLW with his character, a playing off of his real life character and the fact that he pulls off moves that I just never even thought were possible. And that's coming from a guy who grew up watching luchadors. Um, there, there's certain things that he's done with the, uh, I can't remember who, and I don't know if you've gotten to the episode yet, but he was in a match with somebody. I think it was Rich Swan, And he, he got whipped in, or, or he ran into a corner, did the little up and over thing that they always do, ran to the other corner, went to do the up and over and landed on, um, oh, it was uh, Johnny, uh, John Hennigan's back. Landed on Hennigan's back turned around walking on his back and then did a Canadian destroyer out of that. It, it was one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen. And I think Teddy Hart with his character, the heel work that he does and the fact that he is so, so talented in the ring and just an innovator in the ring, I think would, he would make a great first champion. Yeah. I don't disagree with that whatsoever. That's, a, that's actually a great pick. Um, and I, you know, I guess I guess we'll find out, you know, what you know these, you know, what the what exclusive contracts in the world of wrestling these days actually mean. So I mean, um, you know, it, it, I would never say never. So, um, what was I going to say? No, oh, I, I guess I have my number, my number four pick, and and so since I've already had my top three, you know, guys that are that are, I think would be a great heel champion for people to chase, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know backtrack a little bit, and I'm gonna go with my favorite guy in the promotion. And I'm just going to say that, you know, I mean, he's a guy I've wanted to be, to be a champion for a long time. He's a guy I think has earned it. He's a guy I think is, you know, really is the future of the business. So I'm going to go with Hangman Page. I can't disagree with that. That's a great pick. Um, he personally didn't make my top five because I think the five guys I picked were a little bit ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, actually six guys because I did have a double there too, but I didn't want to double up on yours, so I, I had six guys in my head. Um, but I, I can't disagree with that. I think he would be a great first champion. I just think I think he's still kind of in that proving ground of his of his life. You know where I think he would be better served maybe making it to the finals losing to the eventual champion and then chasing for a while in the main event to build up his main event name. Right. Cause right now, I mean, you and I have seen him put on some just amazing matches against amazing wrestlers. Um, you know, his match against, uh, um, oh, why can't I think of the guy's name? L I J. Um, Naito? his match against Naito was amazing. You know, he had that match against Cobb that was amazing. He puts on great matches, but I just don't think he has the... Plus, I don't... I, unfortunately, I think the stigma that you talked about a while ago um, about him losing all the time is still kind of with him. I think he needs to shake that a little bit. I think a good run in a tournament only to lose the last match and then spend the next three, four months chasing 
as the fa- as the baby face would do him a ton of good. Yeah, I yeah, and I, I could see that too. I mean, I just. I just think that, you know, coming in and we, and we don't know what they're doing. I mean, we don't know if they're going to have a tournament, you know, right off the bat. We don't know, you know, what, you know, what kind of momentum, you know, they're, how they're going to, to, to determine a champion. I mean, it could be a battle Royal, which would just suck, but you never know. Um, but I mean, we, and we don't even know how long it's going to take them to crown a champion. So, I mean, there could, there could be plenty of time for him to be, be built up to be a, a big star before, you know, before there is, is even a tournament for that. There's also, you know, the fact that all elite wrestling is its own thing with its own narratives driving it. So if we, if we look at all elite as its own entity, which I think we have to, and we look at um, the first show that the, that the elite did together at all in Hangman Page is on a one match one match winning streak, so he and, also and, and, and it was a pretty high profile match. So I mean, it's it is certainly possible that you know they're going to continue that narrative, and he and he's going he would go into that tournament undefeated. You know that is true. Um, that is true. That actually brings me to my number four guy. Um, okay, the guy that I uh, I I went back and forth about this, but he's just ex exciting to watch. Um, and I just, I, every time he's on the screen, I'm just, I'm in awe and I've got to keep, I've got to just keep my eyes glued to it. And that is uh, Joey Janela. I think Joey Janela could be that, uh, that baby face that would put on those electrifying matches that could really draw people in. And as a top champion, I think he would have that ability to put on great matches. We already saw what he can do with Adam Page. Um, you know, we've seen what he can do with uh, some of the other talent that's now on the AE roster in his time in MLW. So I just I think that he would be a good choice as, as one of the top guys right out of the gate. You know, I, I haven't seen Joey Janela en- enough to really, I guess, comment on that. I mean, I saw him. I saw him at. Uh... All in, you know, I've seen him a little bit on, um, on MLW. And of course I've seen him on, you know, the few episodes of being the elite he's been on, but I, you know, I really haven't seen him enough to, to really make any kind of a, of a judgment on whether that would be a, you know, a good choice for him or not. Well, and that's, and that's fair. He was kind of one of my stretches. Um, I just, I've seen, I saw some of his independent work before all in. Um, then I've seen him now on MLW a few times and he's, He's that kind of guy that um, I, I'm trying to think of who to compare him to. Uh, he's not he's not really known for winning matches, but he's that kind of guy that goes out and puts on just an unbelievable show every time out. And um, I think right. you kind of compare him to a Tommy Dreamer. That's interesting because if because if you. Uh... On, on on all about all elite this weekend, um, Shane and the other Shane and uh, and Miss Fan were, were saying that uh, he has a, he's, he brings like a real ECW energy to the to um, to the to uh, professional wrestling. And maybe that's what it is. Is he just he reminds me a lot of a, a lot of Tommy Dreamer, where he's just he t- takes some sickening bumps. Um, his time in CWZ or CZW Combat Zone Wrestling. And, you know, his time on MLW and what we saw all in, he just, he's, he's a bump machine, but his bumps are painful to watch at times. Um, 
you know, and he's got that lovable loser type feel to him like Tommy Dreamer had, where Tommy just could not beat Raven to save his life. But everybody loved him anyway. Plus, he's got the, he's got the hot girlfriend that Tommy did. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think they're actually together anymore. I don't care. They're together on screen. That's all I care about. <laughs> <laughs> that's correct, because they're playing bring, roles. So that's all, that really is all that we should care about. Bring me so. more Penelope Ford. That's just weird. Um, Susan? <laughs> She's not listening today. She's not answering me either, so. Oh, all right. So, anyway. uh, so my, my fifth choice, and uh, this is what I think this is what I'm stealing right off from under you, is your boy, the villain Marty Skrull. I think he would be. I think you know he's he's in at that point of his career where he is really pushing to be a world champion. He he's already had the story the last year or so how he's going moving up from being a cruiserweight to being a heavyweight. He's already had a great run as ROH World Television Champion, and he is one of the most popular wrestlers in the world. So I think that um, you know those accomplishments, along with the fact that he's so damn smooth in the ring, he's, he keeps getting better and better. Um, and he brings – the other thing he brings that um, you know, we haven't really talked about, but he brings the ability to draw in a huge star – to continue a rivalry with, and that, of course, is Will Ospreay. So, I mean, I think that he really can put butts in seats. He can bring great talent in there to have great matches against him, and I think he would be a wonderful world heavyweight champion. Yeah, and for much the same reasons, he was my number five, so I'm going to actually pick a little bit somebody else after I talk a little <laughs> about Marty Skrull. I thought that was somebody <laughs> from you. <laughs> you, got, you got two from me. You almost had three because I did go with a, I, I had a double there, but I... Um, and I, you know, I had um, Marty Skrull, and then there was one other guy that I knew you were going to take from me, so I didn't grab him. I can't remember. Oh, Pac. Um, so I, I, so we agreed on three of the three of the five anyway. Um, but uh, Marty Skrull is still another one, and I haven't been on my Marty Skrull love for a couple of months yet, or here now. But Marty Skrull still, to me, is the only wrestler on the planet. I have never been disappointed in a match he's been in. His his portions of it, anyway. Even when he was stuck in the tag team, caught in the middle of the whole Kenny versus Cody thing, he was still the most entertaining part of every one of those matches. And to this day, I mean, that match he had um, in Tag Wars against uh, Mark Haskins was just a phenomenal match. The way they started it, the way they ended it, the way everything they did in the in the match itself was just it was it was fun to watch. And he's still that guy that no matter what he does in the ring, he is the most entertaining wrestler I I've seen. You know, so that being said, you know, that was that was actually my number 5. Um I kind of wish he'd been my number 4. Uh, so that I could have gotten that ahead of Joey Janela. But, eh, eh, eh. So I'm going to go with another guy who I've been watching an awful lot of lately, a guy who I had no clue even existed up until three months ago. But with binge-watching the last year of MLW, this guy has drawn something that I didn't know I even liked about wrestling, and that's Filthy Tom Lawler. 
That's another reason why I was pissed you said he won the title. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jeff. I, I, I do apologize. I really, I really thought you would have already seen that this weekend. No, I, I didn't. I, Cause, I didn't cause, even Because you, you, you usually look at a lot of wrestling rumor sites, too, so I thought it would be kind of unavoidable when that, when that was kind of the headline of some of them. You know. Well, it's just that those two guys, uh, Teddy Hart and Tom Lawler, were kind of in my mix of top five anyway. Yeah. Um, because I think I, I, Tom Lawler proved in the beginning of his run that he is the perfect heel. He just is an unlikable bastard. And then he got into his, um, his feud with, uh, with the stud stable and kind of did a little face turn there and really proved himself as both sides of the coin. So I think he's the kind of guy that could come in and have a CM Punk type run where he is this despicable heel until that gets worn out. And then he quick does a baby face turn. He carries the bell for another six months. Gotcha. Um, and you know, and, and, and I like Lawler a lot. I mean, I've, I've seen him very little, but I, I really like his character a lot. I like his in-ring style a lot. And, uh, and I, and I love that he's got the whole kind of, uh, Chris Hero from like 2008 going where he loads up he you know, he's, he loads up his uh, I guess he doesn't think he loaded up because he's got that steel plate in his wrist or whatever but you know he's got the he's got the Lex Luger thing or the Chris Hero thing going where you know he's where if you know if he if he's in danger of losing a match all of a sudden you know he he uses that uh, um, that steel to to get him to get him the the knockout victory. Yeah, he's uh, and he's gotten more entertaining throughout. And you haven't really gotten his face turn, but around um, have you gotten a battle riot yet? Nope. Okay, yeah, it was around battle riot where he uh, he turned face. In fact, I think it was pretty much in that match where he kind of did the whole face turn thing. Um, and the it, the funniest part is he is the face leader of a heel stable because the rest of his the rest of his uh, stable is still technically heel. Simon Gotch is still playing a heel character. But everybody is behind Tom Lawler and he's starting to become that um that just really tough badass type Steve Austin type character. Hey, speaking of Simon Gotch, first of all, I'm glad to see that he's that he's landed on his feet and he's and he's in that promotion because I really enjoy him. Yeah. Um but but number 2 Dude, I'll last, I'll stay. I'll go in the ring with him for five minutes. If I'm, if I'm gonna get two hundred fifty dollars for for lasting with him. Oh wait, it goes up. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't stay at two fifty for long. And, 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 he, and, and go ahead. I'm sorry. And he gets a couple of uh, uh, names from the past to challenge him. Oh. The last, the, in fact, the last episode I watched, I looked at the screen and I went, "You were part of one of the greatest factions of all time. What the hell happened to you?" Oh, Dolph Ziggler showed up. No. <laughs> no, Gangrel. Oh, okay. It was I Gangrel. I thought you were the Spirit Squad. One of the most badass factions of all time, because three people can be a faction. The Brood or the New Brood? The Brood, the original Brood. Okay. Um. You know, and, and I just want to point out that, uh, you, know, you know what, first of all, I, actually, I'm, I'm going to go back a step because, you know, him, him, you saying that he brings people from the past makes me, think I, makes me think I really want to see Sabu show up <laughs> and kick his ass. <laughs> I was half expecting to see Sabu, or not Sabu, um, Sandman come out one of the episodes here. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Right. Um, he needs the beer money. 
But I wanted, I, I wanted to point out that, you know, we've gone through a list of five, five guys each, and neither one of us said Cody. Neither one of us said Kenny Omega. Neither one of us said Kota Ibushi. So, I mean, I, I, think, I, think, I think it's clear that, you know, we think that, you know, at least to start the promotion with, they need to, they need to distance themselves a little bit from the elite people and just kind of, um, or at least the ones that have already been top champions of their promotions and just, you know, let it flow organically if they're going to get those spots rather See, than, I, than starting it right off the top of the, you know, right off the bat. I had, I mean, I had those two guys. I had um, you know, Omega and Cody. Um, that I kind of shuffled around in, and much for the same reason, I didn't want to see it be the elite becoming champions. But I also had a couple other names that we didn't really talk about that I went back and forth with. Um, Pentagon Jr. was one, but I think he's just too fixated in his um, tag team right now. And the way they made it sound is like he's coming in a tag team, so I kind of pulled him off the table a little bit. Um, but another guy that I really thought hard about, and I almost had him as my number two guy, um, Eli Drake. I think Eli Drake is that kind of guy that could have came in, taken over as a heel champion, but been able to still win over crowds um, because of his charisma and his rock impersonation. That I think he could have he could have really been a good good first champion as well. Yeah, I guess I didn't even consider Eli Drake. I probably should have. I, I just, but you know what? He, but he is under exclusive contract to, to Impact, too. I yeah, mean, so but it doesn't matter. I, I did Teddy Hart and Tom Waller, so. Well, I mean, I guess it really doesn't, doesn't except for the fact that I, that I guess I, I know that he signed like a three-year contract with them last year that was, that's exclusive, so I don't think that he'd be able to, to appear for them. I mean, like I said, like I said earlier, you know, we we don't know where most people's contract status are, but I know for sure what Eli Drake's is. So. Yeah, and unfortunately, the Teddy Hart pick, I didn't know about his contract beforehand. Yeah. I had, I had no clue. Um, that was one of those that uh, he was one of my. He was a guy that I was actually um, expecting to go first, but then when I when the news broke of. Um, of Dean Ambrose, he jumped ahead of Teddy Hart, and then same thing with Sammy Callahan. Sammy Callahan, just I've watched Impact and MLW, just binge watching both of them over the last couple of weeks, or over the last week, and just Sammy Callahan is just fucking amazing. Just an amazing character, just an amazing heel. Yeah, he is. I, I definitely agree with that. All right, so let's go ahead and go to break, and uh, then Jeff will lead us back in because I have to run to one of the bathroom real quick. Um, and, uh, and, and he already had, I already had my time rambling without him. Thanks to his, thanks to his son. Um, and any other excuse I can think of, but we're, when we come back, we'll be talking about um, defiant and about their upcoming unstoppable pay-per-view. That's this coming Saturday, which Jeff will probably be watching live, but I will be rocking out to Eric church. So anyway, break time. Into a commercial break. Uh, we talked about here, and I don't know if that's me or him. I think that's him. 
All right, looks like we're still on here, so I'm going to keep talking. Hopefully that's nothing that's uh, overly bearing. But uh, you know, he wants to talk a little bit about Defiant. Before we get there, I want to talk a little bit about Ring of Honor. Uh, I did watch the most recent televised Ring of Honor, actually, well, most recent one on the app, which was a couple weeks ago. And there were a couple things that really stuck out to me that I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, Villain Club and the way that they're, or uh, Villain Enterprises and the way that they're portraying them. Uh, You look at Brody King, huge acquisition. PCO, for some reason, he's a maniac. He's fun to watch. He kind of fits in well with with Brody King. I just don't know with a man who's 54 years old, how long he's going to be able to be this kind of character. Um, and that's that. It's kind of disconcerting, but at the same time, Marty's up. His contract's up in April. He'll be gone, more likely with All Elite Wrestling at the time, and um, it will matter. But it was just one of those things that I kind of noticed, and and really stuck out to me is that in this match he had on on the 25th episode or the 25th. January 25th, where they had their six-man tag against uh, Shinobi Shadow Squad, uh, it just seemed like the dude's going to break a hips here soon. And I'm, I'm Shane. I'm talking about PCO. Um, I wanted to come back with a couple thoughts I had about the last Ring of Honor I watched, which was the 25th, because uh, they haven't posted the new one yet. But um, he just Brody King, I think, has a future. PCO. Maybe it's the fact that he's as old as he is, but that dude's going to kill himself. We're going to see a death in the ring if he continues doing this, this character. So I don't know how long this character can last. I have no idea. I mean, I I have no idea, but I mean, he's not human, so. (laughs) I don't know what he is, but it's... uh... It's kind of sad. And the the other thing I, I the other takeaway I had out of the Ring of Honor, and I want to see what you're and I kind of held off on this babble a little longer than I should have because I I kind of held off on this a little bit. But um, the fact that Kenny King came out and cut a promo on Flip Gordon, and he literally just stood there and took it. To me, it kind of made Flip go down a few notches where it made it sound like what King Kenny King was saying was true, that he's not really on that level, that level yet where he needs to be. Did you see that episode at all? Um, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I did see that. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Kenny King is, I, I think it, looked like, it certainly looked like for all the world, they were setting up a few between Kenny King and Flip, and Flip, Flip Gordon. But I, but I really don't know, you know, where, where that's going to go now that Flip is injured, and I, and I don't know that it's, he's going to be back in time to really set something up for uh, G1 Supercard. He's, so, he's certainly not going to be back in there, back in time for them to set something up for the anniversary show. So I, I really don't know, you know, where they're going to go with Kenny King at this point. But at, at the same point, the the fact that Flip just stood there and took all the insults, and some of those got kind of personal. Um, with the weekend warrior and how he's not a real hero and all this stuff. Um, it just, to me, the fact that he just kind of stood there and took it and didn't even have a comeback just kind of undermined what he, the character that he's become. 
Because the, the whole reason we started liking him towards the end of the year is the way he stood up to Bully Ray, the way he you know, went into that uh, I quit match and made Bully Ray quit. Like he, was, he had zero fear. Um, you know, the Pentagon, whatever it was. Uh, but the way he just kind of stood there and stared at, at Kenny King, like, you hurt my feelings and I have no comeback. That, I don't know, it just set me back on, on Flip a little bit. Why is that? I, I'm not really sure. It, I just, I was watching that, that promo today and the way Kenny King came out and just attacked him. And this was a guy that had been built up over the last four or five months to become this fearless guy. It almost felt like he had no right to be in the same ring with, with Kenny King and, and Kenny kind of told him that. And he just was like, Oh yeah, you're right. I don't (laughs) where that's, that's not the character that we've come to see out of him lately. Make any sense at all. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, I mean, as, as far as Tag Wars, I mean, you know, I, uh, I mean, there, there wasn't a, a whole lot to it. I mean, I mean, it, it, it wasn't bad, you know, and there was some good stuff on it. But, you know, I, I felt like, you know, everything that happened, I pretty much would have predicted would have is what would have happened. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, PCO and uh, and uh, Brody King, you know, get the tag team title shot. Um, I mean, I mean, what, what I'm really more interested in, in ROH right now is how they're going to pull this um, lifeblood, or uh, is it lifeblood? Yeah, yeah, it's lifeblood. Lifeblood stable together because I mean, I, I, lo- I love the idea of it. Um, I love the concept. Um, I love the guys that they've chosen to be part of it. I'm just not sure about the execution so far. Well, and, considering and, 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 Tracy and, 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 Williams. Considering both Tracy Williams and Mark Haskins have been kind of, you know, I, they haven't even really been part of the, the stable. I mean, when Tennille comes out and she's a color guy for um, Finjuice, but then Mark Haskins goes out and puts on just an amazing um, semi-main event with Marty Skrull and she's not anywhere to be found on commentary, it almost makes them feel like they're not really part of the stable. And yeah. the same thing with Tracy Williams. She wasn't out for any of Tracy's matches either. But do we really want her to be? Not really, but it would bring some continuity to the whole group, like they are a group. When she comes out and she's doing color for uh, for Juice Robinson, but not for um, uh, Mark Haskins, it almost makes it feel like he's not as important as... as Juice Robinson is. I guess I can see that, but at the same time, you know, I, I really want her to be more than just a valet. You know, no, so I, I do so, too. So, so, so I really don't want her out there, you know, every time that they're performing. And I and I, and I think it's gonna be, it would be overkill if she was out there um, for every single match that they that they do. So I, so, I, I, so, I, so, I, so I mean, I I don't have a problem with her doing that as long as you know she spreads the love around. You know, I mean, if she's if she's only out there during Juice matches, or she's only out there during Tracy Williams matches, or she's only out there during um, Finley matches, then then it's a problem. But if she's out there, you know, occasionally for each one of them, then I don't see any issue with it. And see, that was the issue that I had is that she was out for every Finn Juice match, ah. every single one, 
but she didn't one time come out for Haskins or Tracy Williams. And I think that's where my issue was. If she had come out, now I could, I could get it. Like let's overkill her in the first three days during the tag wars. She's out for every one of their matches. Cause she's not going to have a match during tag wars anyway. So have her come out and do color for all these guys and put over all four of these guys and make them make this whole faction be great and come off as, as, as a powerful force and then scale it back. But the fact that she was out there for every Finn juice match, but didn't come out at all for Tracy Williams, didn't come out at all for Mark Haskins. That was just kind of, it, it just made those two feel separate. Um, and I, and I, and I can see that. I mean, Honestly, I, I, I feel like it feels weird for Teal Dashwood to be part of the stable. <laughs> that I agree with, especially considering she was one of the worst heels there before she got hurt. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. I mean, she was basically a heel, and for her to come in and she's like, and she's like, uh, you know, these guys are being so dishonorable. It's like, dude, that's like your entire character. <laughs> That's all she was when she first started in Ring of Honor was just this despicable, horrible human being. But I, I mean, I like the I like the premise of the Lifeblood Stable. Um, I like the fact that they're playing off of Juice's ridiculous babyface character. But at the same time, I'm a little concerned on the direction they're taking. I also think Brody King and PCO, as much as I. Um, worry about PCO dying in the ring. I think the match between them and the Briscoes is going to be outstanding. Well, yeah, it, it's good. It's going to be great. I just, I just felt like it was a bit predictable, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. They dominate, you know what I mean? I would rather Finjuice had won the tournament personally. Oh yeah. I would have rather seen cheeseburger do it. Um, I think our I think our association may be over. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a couple other things I noticed is you know you got a perfect time here to push people like um, was it South Coast Connection? No, um, Coast to Coast, Coast to Coast, and um, the bouncers. And instead of doing that, they push the two new tag teams. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I thought that was kind of a misstep by Ring of Honor, but cuz you got guys on the on the roster that deserve it. You've got faces like the bouncers, some of the performances they put on over the last, you know, 3-4 months, they deserve a title shot. But to kind of get swept to the side for these two uh two brand new tag teams that come in, it just it I don't know, I thought it was a misstep. Um I guess so. I mean, I, I guess it's, I guess I just don't see this that big of a deal, honestly. I I, I, I I was not a big fan of having the beatdown clan back. I can tell you that much. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, uh, unstoppable. I suppose we should probably talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think I think we should, and and, and you know, I mean, I I, I kind of you know. Feel bad that we're kind of passing over tag wars, I guess, but I, I I really didn't think there was that much to talk about. There really wasn't outside of the the um, announcement of Lifeblood and that Skirtle Haskins match. There really wasn't a whole lot that happened. Yeah, and I and I and I really am getting to be a big fan of Mark Haskins. 
Yeah, I was before. Just the stuff he did in Defiant and um, his feud with Jimmy Havoc and uh, in Defiant and and also his stuff in Progress. The guy's just a very talented wrestler. I never seen him. I have never seen him in Progress. So. Was it Progress or was it Rev Pro? I don't know. It was one of those British ones. I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying I've, I've only seen him. I can only remember remember seeing him in Defiant and now seeing him in Ring of Honor. So yeah, I saw I saw him before before we started watching Defiant in one of the other two. I can't remember which one it was. It was either Rev Pro or Progress. I can't remember. And uh, oh, who's that? Who's that other guy now? I'm trying to think of uh, um, PJ Black. PJ, yeah, PJ Black. You know what I didn't realize is that PJ Black was Justin Gabriel in WWE. Was he really? Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. So that's so that's I guess that's where we, were, where we saw him before. But yeah, but he why, was. Uh, he looks like he's ten times larger than. Oh my God! It is Justin Gabriel. Yeah. That explains why he looks so old now. Yeah, and he and he's and he actually just signed with Ring of Honor like last week. Yeah, he signed an exclusive deal with them last week. So yeah, but I didn't realize he was. I didn't realize that was Justin Gabriel. He looks so much bigger now. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. So, all right. So let's let's move on to Unstoppable. Um, and you know, I, I kind of had the same feeling watching uh, watching it today that I think you did. Um, and and you know partly is it partly is because I, I really do feel like there's there's still like a lot of stiff, stick figures running around there. <laughs> there's a lot of stick figures. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, exactly. So um and and, and speaking All of right. which keep talking, um, gotta do gotta be a father again for a second. All right. So, you know, I, I was talking about stick figures and and you know that's kinda like you know, one of the um one reason I mentioned that is because the um, the stick figure um, Omari is taking on Nathan Cruz, and he got kind of a surprise fluke win over Cruz a couple of weeks ago on Loaded, and Cruz basically demanded last week's show that he get a rematch or he was going to break somebody's neck. I'm trying to remember who it was, but he still he still stopped the guy in the guy's chair or whatever. So. Um, So you know, I mean, that's that's really um, that's really you know the kind of the extent of this feud. And you know, I'm not a, I'm not really a big fan of Omari. I do really like Nathan Cruz's character. I think he's he's excellent. And so you know, I'm, I I don't know. I just I think Cruz you know really should go over in this one, and Omari should kind of uh, go away and eat some more uh, Wheaties and drink some protein or something like that. All right, I'm back. All right, so I, I was just, I was just saying that I think that I think Cruz should should basically stomp Omari. I hope so. I um, that that whole angle just kind of irritates me because I I like the professional character and then like you said Omari Cruz. Why is everybody on that roster seven foot four, hundred and ten pounds? Uh no idea. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, you know, that's a... Did I lose you? No, I'm here. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. No. I'm just, I'm just distracted a little bit. So, oh, right. my own, okay. my own fault. So, um, yeah, I mean, Omari to me is just, he's just boring, and he's just a stick figure dude, and 
you know, I, I really, I really don't even know. I'm really not even sure why he's on the card other than to just give Nathan Cruz something to do. That's yeah, that's probably it. I mean, outside of that, the only other match that really kind of bugs me that it's even on the card simply because we haven't seen anything about either one of the two um, is the the tag team title match. Who the hell is it? Wow, oh my God, I'm just, Well, it's, it was supposed to be Aussie Open. Shut down. It was supposed to be Aussie Open defending against CCK, but um, the other guy from CCK is still injured, so it's just Chris Brooks and a mystery partner now. Well, which is probably going to be... Um, Wow, Gresham? my mind, my mind has just gone nuts. Yeah, Gresham. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna pull that same tr- same rabbit out of the hat a second time. So I th- I do think it'll be somebody else, but I have no idea who. It, it's the the one thing about that that whole match is we've got a tag team title match, and we haven't seen either one of the two teams since the first episode of the of Defiant, of the new Defiant. Yeah, that's probably true. You know, so there's really there's no story. There's no. There's nothing, nothing involved in it. It just it's bugs me a little bit. So is it um, – now, what about uh, this Justin Sysom guy? I don't remember ever seeing him before. And he's taking on, on John. I won't speak English, Klinger. So. Wasn't – no, that was uh, Lucky Kid that was the one that was destroyed by Klinger two weeks ago. Right. Right. I, I thought this was supposed to be the um, Ilya Drazkov or whatever. I thought this was supposed to be his debut. Uh, that was the guy. That was the guy who was coming for John Klinger. Um, was it? I thought so. Yeah, because that's the guy that Lucky Star, when he was laying in the middle of the ring screaming, "He's coming!" Oh, okay. I must have missed something. <laughs> I, remember, I remember. I remember him doing that, but I don't remember anybody showing up. No, nobody did. It just the guy's name showed up on the on the screen, and uh, that crazy Scottish announcer made a big deal out of it. Oh, that's right. Okay. So I'm I assuming totally that totally forgot about I'm, that. I'm assuming that somebody's somewhat important. So maybe he'll show. So maybe so maybe he'll maybe like Klinger will be dominating Tyson or beating the shit out of him, and then this guy will show up or something. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I mean. I'm, you know, I mean, I mean, this, these are kind of the matches I think we're, we're our kind of throwaway. I mean, the, you know, what? So what happened in the uh, what happened in the in the Rampage uh, Championship match? I'm assuming Rampage is still the champion. Oh yeah, yeah. He and he beat um, Kid. He beat yeah. He beat him somewhat cleanly, uh, and then David Starr comes running down. They get in a little pushing match, and David Starr is left holding the title at the end of the end of the show. Yeah. Because David Starr is, is really good at professional wrestling. I, to be honest, I'm actually looking forward to this match. After seeing his performance against Pac, um, and you know, I don't know a whole ton of about Rampage. Just the fact that you know the two matches I've seen with him. Granted, we're only what eight episodes into this, so it's going to be a lot like um, NXT UK was, where they're going to have to put on a five-star classic for us to be entertained by it because we're still not really into all the characters. Right. But um, I think... 
my child drank all of his pop. Did you hear that? Good for you, Arlo. Um, so he, I, I, I think, I mean, I'm looking forward to the David Starr uh, Rampage match. I'm looking forward to the Primate um, and, unfortunately, Joe Hendry match against uh, Kid and uh, Rory Coyle. But outside of those two matches, I'm not really looking forward to much. Really? You're not looking forward to Jimmy Havoc taking on No Fun Done in a, in a non-hardcore title match? No. If I want to see Jimmy Havoc, I want to see him beating people up and making them bleed. Well, he can, he, well, he can still do that. He just can't use a weapon to do so. Yeah, what a horrible, just horrible reason to do the hardcore championship. You know, you know, and the, and the other match I kind of feel the same way you were talking about with us never really seeing them is is uh, be be uh, Priestley versus Lana Austin. I mean, I mean, and we saw Priestley lose the championship, um, and Lana, you know, basically cost her it. We saw Lana have a have a championship match against um, the non Asian Asian Kanji. God, I'm glad I'm not the only one that picked up on that. <laughs> and. Uh, but, I mean, we've really seen no feud building between Priestley and Austin at all. I mean, they've, I, been, they've had no interaction whatsoever. I think a lot of it has to, there is stuff that we saw on the – that we would have seen in WCPW and on um, Defiant before we started watching Loaded. I mean, we just started watching Loaded when Loaded premiered a couple of weeks ago, eight weeks ago, two months ago now. But, I mean, if you – if we go back to Defiant from last year and um, WCPW, we might have a little better history of some of these guys. Yeah, that's that's possibly true. But I'm but I'm but I'm not going to go back and watch it. Yeah, I just I can't go back and watch five years of wrestling. I just can't. <laughs> I'm trying to get caught up on Impact and the MLW now. Um, yeah. But isn't um, my God? What is wrong with me in names today? The chick. Um, Lana Austin? Yeah. Isn't she part of NXT UK now? Well, she showed up there one time. So, I mean, I don't know whether she's under contract or it was just a tryout or, or what. But, I mean, the, the crowd was certainly, you know, chanting, you know, chanting for her. They knew, well, they knew, who, they knew, they knew who she was. But it, it's just the character that she played on NXT UK was the complete opposite of what she's doing on, on Defiant. Oh, yeah, Definitely. So it's it's one of those where I'm I'm kind of taken a little bit aback by it. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's like uh, I'm trying to think of trying to think of a comparison. It would be like if uh, it almost be like if Bully Ray went from right from Ring of Honor to uh, WWE and he was playing like a librarian. <laughs> <laughs> or or Sammy Callahan coming in as a church gut loving um, goody two shoes. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I it just I don't know that I I'm kind of excited for a couple of matches just because uh, they actually did take time to develop the characters and people like David Starr I've just I've been a fan of for a long time. So that's you know that's something that I'm looking forward to and and they've really done a good job with the primate Rory Coyle um, storyline. They've really, it, it's almost like they've focused all the pay-per-view talk on that one storyline. But it, uh, I, I, outside of those two matches, I, I don't know that I'm looking that forward to this pay-per-view. 
Well, I, I'm interested in the, in the I, mean, I always love tag team wrestling, so I'm going to be interested in that to see, you know, because you, you, you said, you even said yourself at Aussie Open that, you, you know, you're really starting to get into them and you really want to see more of them. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's always fun to have a uh, mystery, par- mystery partner or opponent show up. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm looking forward to the, the women's matches because, you know, it's a false stand anywhere match and those are always fun. Um, and, you know, this, the, the tag team match should be fun. The, you know, Hendry and Primate versus Coyo and Gabriel Kidd. I really love that story. Um, and, of course, and of course, the World Championship match should be great, too. And we get to see Martin Kirby, you know? Well, that is right. We do get to see NL Fantasma, who I, I'm really starting to enjoy as well. So the one thing about Defiant, though, I, I, did you watch this week's yet? This week's what? Defiant? Defiant, Defiant yeah. I've seen, like, the first half of it. I did, not, I did not watch the World Championship match yet. The one thing that is starting to bother me about this, uh, about Defiant, is the fact that they're borderline hokey with the whole general um, or uh, general manager, commissioner, or whatever the hell he is, um, Akeem, or what, who the hell is, what's his name? General Amin. Yeah, and his whole um, search for, oh, Prince Amin, Amin, who's now General Amin because he's on the case. But his whole search of the last three weeks for El Phantasmo's missing glasses, it's almost as bad as the NXT William Regal interviews for who attacked Aleister Black. It's almost that bad. Oh, great. And if it wasn't for the fact that they actually had some decent in-ring talent, like I'm uh, SCC, is South Coast Connection, and their little heel turn, I'm I'm really enjoying. I'm really enjoying uh, David Starr. I'm really enjoying uh, Primate. That match last week uh, between Primate and BT Gun was the perfect blend of of hard hitting wrestling and comedy. You know, so I mean, they're doing some good things, but they're also you know it's a land of the seven foot, hundred and ten pound giants, and uh, some hokey comedy. So I, they're they're missing on a few things, but they're also doing some really good things too. So it's hard for me to punch out on them yet, but you can see why I'd be getting close. Yeah, I, I do, and and you know, and, and I'm not sure that I want to keep watching it either. I just you know I just. But I, you know, I do feel like we've, you know, we've watched it this long. We probably should at least see the result of, you know, what we've, what we've been watching and see, you know, if we want to keep continuing after that. Oh, I'm going to keep continuing because, like I said, there are some very intriguing characters. Um, I, I love South Coast Connection and uh, or SEC and what they're doing with their whole heel turn and becoming these just bastards. Uh, I like the fact that they brought the Billington boys in. Um, I really like. Joe Hendry bugs me, which is weird because Joe Hendry didn't bug me in Impact. But for some reason, Defiant, he really bugs me. But the Primate character I like a lot. I like BT Gun. So they've, they've got some guys that I really, really like and really want to keep watching. So I'm going to keep watching it regardless of what transpires this weekend. Okay. But, um, you know, it's a lot to me, I guess, like NXT, where I'm still invested in some of the characters. So I still want to watch it weekly where you're like, okay, I can watch it just on takeovers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I don't know. All right, so you know we're, we're almost at our, we're almost at our usual two hour mark. So why don't you hit the uh, hit the social media stuff and we'll and we'll get out of here. Again, follow us on Facebook. Um, you know, just search Kingdom of Honor. Uh, you see a skull with a crown and standing in front of a ring. 
And uh, um, you can follow us, like like that page, follow us there, and um, you know, message us to give us ideas for matches to watch, things like that. I haven't been, I've been going through some uh, illnesses and things like that, so I haven't been able to keep up on updating as much as I'd like, but that's going to come back here soon. Also, follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Regi Co-op. You can follow my uh, my partner here at at Zanman Lop. Uh, you can also do a search hashtag uh, Kingdom of Honor. Put hashtag Kingdom of Honor in anything, and um, you know we'll get back to you when we can. Uh, we usually respond. We love when we get suggestions for matches and promotions, and we do our best to try and watch them all and comment on them. So. Yeah, and I and I think um, you know I, I haven't really you know, talked this over with Jeff, but I you know I usually don't before I say something like this. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know I think next week we'll probably we'll probably t- cover the uh, the uh, World's Collide tournament that they t- that took place this you know that they showed this weekend on the WWE Network along with um, the uh, new J- new beginning in Sapporo that they, that was just a couple of days ago, but we haven't had a chance to watch that for New Japan. So well, there it's live this weekend. What is? The New Beginning. Uh, no, the New Beginning coming live this weekend is actually on the 11th, so we're not going to get a chance to see it. Before I thought it was on the 9th. Ah, when I looked over, I thought I said it was on the 11th, but the 9th, the 9th is when Unstoppable is. So. I don't know. There's just wrestling all the time now. It's anyway, but 20, I, but I'm, it's 24 but I, hours a day. That's all I right, know. Right, right. But, 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 you know, even if it is on this coming weekend, I won't be able to watch it because I'll be... I'll be um, in. I'll be uh, at the concert and then on my way back from the cities. So, um, oh, yeah. Okay. So, but I mean, I, th- I figure we can at least you know catch up on the stuff that we have not seen yet. So, oh. let's do that then. All right. I think we should do that. I'm all in on that. <laughs> and I'm all in on going to Double or Nothing. So. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so you know. Maybe- Make sure you check out all the other shows here on Lord's Clean Radio. Tomorrow night is One Nation Radio, and tomorrow morning is Global Impact the Revolution. On Wednesday will be Sports Entertainment is Dead. On Thursday, Perfect Ten Wrestling Podcast. On Friday, The Right Side of the Pond. On Saturday, All About All Elite Wrestling. And then we'll be back with you next Monday. So until then, that's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. And this is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights, and Jeff saying goodbye.